That's what we need to do in our Christian thinking. We need to go from the point that we're not here to tear things up. That's an immature thinking. Oh, I'm going to get my way. I don't care if it tears the church all to pieces. I'm, I'm going to get my way. I don't care if I make so-and-so mad. I, I don't care if they never talk to me again. I just don't care if that preacher ever talks to me again. I don't have anything to do with him. I don't have anything to do with that teacher, that brother, that sister in Christ. It doesn't matter what the cost is. Or do you look for ways to Hello, build and that to the relationship General Baptist up. Church sermon podcast. It is very easy to get discouraged. You may be struggling with sin, pain, or sorrow, and it seems like there is no way out. Considering how much more time people have spent indoors lately, it's no surprise we are facing an epidemic of discouragement. This week, Brother Larry Treadway continues his sermon series entitled, Encouragement for the Journey. Good to be back in the house of the Lord today. Uh, I'd like to say the house is full of God's people, but it isn't. But I hope there's a lot of folks out listening as we uh, do our services virtually. Uh, you know, I was I was looking over today and I was thinking about just earlier this morning before I came about uh, five basic fears that are in the world. Uh, number one of them right now is the COVID nineteen. Uh, we're in the U.S. They've been about 1.13 million people have affected, with over 65,000 that have passed away. Uh, cancer still a major fear. With uh, last year, about 18 million people had been diagnosed with cancer, with uh, 607,000 that passed away. Finances right now, the unemployment as of this past week has reached 4 million people. Just to take that into account of where we are, there's uh, between less than 7 million in the state of Tennessee. It's the largest number that's ever been out there. Uh, mass shootings last year amounted to 517 deaths. The flu last year took anywhere from um, 27 to 57,000 people in their lives. So we have a fear just to walk outside the door sometimes. But um, our, our theme verse that goes with the fear is from 2 Timothy uh, chapter number 1 and verse number 7, which says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of sound mind. Even in times of fear, we trust God and God takes our fear away. Aren't you glad of that? Amen. All right, let's have prayer before we get started. Heavenly Father, I thank you, dear Lord, for the opportunity to come and open the Word of God and to uh, talk a little bit about the encouragement today, how that we need to be encouraged and encourage each other. And Lord, we ask today that you'd bless the, uh, the reading of God's Word and the explanation of God's Word to your glory. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. All right, today we're going to the book of Acts. I'm not going to give you one particular uh, passage of Scripture. We're going to run through quite a few passages of Scripture. I was reading just uh, about a month ago about uh, a story. You know, you look for illustrations to get you started sometimes. And I saw a story of uh, back in the 1960s, a banker every morning, he came, parked in the parking lot of the bank and walked to the, to the bank that he worked in. And he passed back then. There was a group of beggars on the street and they had their tin cups as they were begging. He would stop and drop money in their cups. And one particular um, gentleman, he, he noticed him more than anybody else because he had a tin cup, but he had no legs. And he offered something. He had some pencils in his hands. If you would give any kind of a donation, he would give you a pencil. And the banker said to him, you, sir, are a merchant. And I always expect to receive good value 
from anything I purchase. Well, over a period of time, that particular beggar left the scene, and the banker had no idea what happened to him until one day he was going through the local mall, and uh, a little stand in the hallway of the mall was that gentleman with no legs, and he had established himself a booth selling pencils and pens and paper products and supplies, and, and uh, the beggar said, I was hoping I'd see you because of your encouragement you gave me. You kept telling me every day as you passed me that, uh, that you were receiving gifts from me that I would sell and it would be of value, said, so that's what got me into doing a business of my own. Now, I want to offer you three words as we get into today's message. One of them is encouragement, second is admonishment, and the third is exhortation. Now, encouragement I've defined for two straight weeks as an effort of extending hope, giving determination, and confidence in love. In other words, it's love in action. Admonishment is giving friendly advice and encouragement to raise another spirit. That, again, is love in action. And exhortation is a message of warning or encouragement designed to motivate a person to action. That, again, is encouragement. We give encouragement in all different forms and all different fashion. Sometimes it motivates somebody. Sometimes it admonishes them, builds them up. I'll be honest, sometimes it even has to take a person down before they can come up. And um, that's something we all need as human is encouragement. Now, so far, the first sermon I preached on encouragement was the God of encouragement, how that God is a God of encouragement and he encourages us so that we can in turn encourage others. Last week, I looked at the Lord of encouragement. We saw how Christ walked on the road uh, to Emmaus with some discouraged uh, uh, disciples and he encouraged them and how that God walks with us and talks with us and brings us the encouragement of truth in our life. Today, we're going to look at a, a human out of the Bible. I know Jesus was human, but also this particular person was human. He's one I've entitled Mr. Encouragement. Uh, he's described in a lot of different areas in the book of Acts, and we're going to look at a few of those to see a man by the name of Barnabas. Now, first of all, turn to Acts chapter 4 and verse 36. Acts 4, verse 36. This particular verse shows this gentleman's name. It said in Josie, who's by the apostle was named Barnabas, who is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levi and of the country of Cyprus. This man, he says, is called Barnabas, and he even gives us his title in his name as meaning the son of encouragement. His very name meant encouragement. Everything about him seemed to mean encouragement. And I call him Mr. Encouragement. So we see his name there. If you'll turn over just a few pages in your Bible to Acts chapter 11, verse number 24, we see his characteristics. It says, For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added to the Lord. A threefold description of Mr. Encouragement, the man of Barnabas. Said, first of all, he was a good man. Now, today we use that kind of flippantly as we discuss people. Well, they're a pretty good person. Now, that's a good lady there. That's a that's a well-acting, good child, you know. We some maybe it's someone we admire, something we say something positive about, but in this particular biblical time, it meant 
meant that he was a righteous person. He was a godly person. He, he exemplified God and righteousness everywhere he went in his life. He was a good man. Secondly, it says he was full of the Holy Ghost. Again today, we take that as somebody maybe charismatic or someone that speaks in tongue or does some unusual acts in their faith believing. But in biblical times, it simply means that he was one who was controlled by the inner workings of the Holy Ghost. And don't take me wrong now, we Christians are supposed to be indwelled with the Holy Ghost. Therefore, he should be working in our life. But he was working in Barnabas' life so much that people took note of it. So he was a good man and he was full of the Holy Ghost. Thirdly, he was said he was full of faith. He was a believer that everyone could recognize. You know, I, I know there have been times in my life where somebody comes up and says, well, I didn't know you were a Christian. Makes me feel so small. Makes me feel so inadequate in my Christian life. But with Barnabas, he was so full of faith in everybody knowing he was a believer. There was no wavering and no shaking. Everywhere that he went, he knew, people knew that he was a child of God. So he was a good man. He was full of the Holy Ghost. And he was full of faith. And as a result... It says, much people, I like this part, much people were added to the Lord. Many came to God and were saved just simply because this man's characteristic. Now, I know that just your actions does not save a person. It takes words, it takes prayer, but your actions can lead a person to faith in Jesus Christ. They can see you, they see that there's something different in your life, and they can want to know Jesus as a result of that. So that was the characteristics of the man by the name of Barnabas. Now let's take a closer look at him. Again, we're going back to Acts chapter 4 and beginning in verse number 32. We're going to see the man Barnabas who was Mr. Encouragement. Here we go. Acts verse chapter 4 verse 32. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither said any of them that all of the things which he possessed was his own but that they had all things common. And with great power, they gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great faith was upon them all. Neither was there anything among them that was lacked. For as many as were possessors of land and houses sold them, and they brought the prices of the things that were sold, and they laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distrib distribution was made unto every man as he had need. And Joseph, who the, by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation or the son of encouragement, he was a Levite from the country of Cyprus, having, sold, having land sold it, and brought the money, and they lay, he laid it at the apostles' feet. For instance, there was Joseph, the one apostle, nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement or Mr. Encouragement. Barnabas was known for his encouragement. Now, 
How did he get that title? Was it a one-time thing that he did or was it a lifestyle that he lived? I like to believe that it was a lifestyle that he lived because we see so many instances in the book of Acts where he's encouraging people and he's lifting them up. It's not something that you can get the title of overnight. It's something that comes with your lifestyle, with your living. In this particular case, the church, the early church had need to function. Now, having no assets, having no place of worship, having nothing that they owned, they were functioning on what people give. We do that today in churches. We function. It takes money to operate a church. It takes money to operate a ministry. It takes money to reach the lost people and to encourage Christians. They did in this day as well. So people gave to the work of ministry. And they gave from the very depth of the heart so much that in some cases it was hurt. It hurt by they giving so much. In this particular case, uh, Barnabas had some land. I don't know how expensive it was. I don't know if it was a lot of acreage. I don't know if it was a great farm. I have no idea what he had. He had some land. And he went and sold that land and he brought the money and he gave it to the men of God, the apostles that were there. And uh, because of that act, he was beginning to earn a reputation of son of encouragement. Now, if you think about it, something else happened in the book of Acts. There was a couple named Ananias and Sapphire who thought that was a pretty good thing. I mean, after all, Barnabas got recognition for giving. So they too said they were going to sell some land and they were going to bring it all and they were going to give it to the church. Well, in essence, they sold the land just like they said they were going to do, but they didn't give it all to the church. They didn't give it all to the Lord. They just gave a portion of it and they lied to God and said they gave it all. And as a result, it cost their lives. There was a lot of difference between the two. Some people do things for recognition and some people do it from the very depth of the heart. Barnabas was one of those. Now, here's a few characteristics I want us to look at about Barnabas. Number one, he had a servanthood point of view. I believe encouragers are servants. They're not masters. They didn't come to be served. They came like Jesus did to serve. Of this particular case, that scripture describes them as having one heart and soul in verse 32. That's what Barnabas had. He had one heart and soul. He had an attitude that emerged from his heart and his heart was centered around Christ Jesus and the work of God. He cared for the work of the Lord and he cared for others as well. Now, he seemed anxious to do something for the Lord's cause. Hey, I've been in church almost all my life. Some people, you got a lot of fire under them to get them to move. Some people, you've almost got a bribe to get them to do something. Uh, some people, you got to make guilty. You know, there's some people who won't do anything. There's some people who will do something just if they can get recognized and get credit for it. There's some people who will do things just because they don't. They feel guilty about it. But Barnabas did this in order to look for opportunities to serve the Lord. Even though he was from a different background. He was a Levite from another country of Cyprus, dispersed Jews, but he still joined in the work of ministry. So think about that. Uh, if I want to be an encourager, if you want to be an encourager, do you have a servanthood view of encouragement or do you ignore it altogether and have to be coaxed into doing something? 
Well, also, not only was uh, Barnabas of a servanthood point of view, he had a bigger picture of thinking. In verses 33 through 35, uh, he was able to see past himself. You see, when we're encouragers, we tend to be able to see past ourselves. He knew that the world was bigger than him and his agenda, being able to see past himself, willing to do something for others. <coughs> I was raised in East Tennessee, got married, moved to Sumner County here in Middle Tennessee, uh, you know, drove, drove around a lot of the area, being in the insurance business and everything, you'd get out and get to see certain areas. And uh, I saw it from a horizontal view. As I drove around, I saw the mountains and I saw the valleys and I saw the farms and I saw the houses. Well, one day at a, a local auction, I made a bid on an hour plane ride in a single engine plane over Sumner County. Now, it takes a lot of faith just to do that, okay? But I made that bid. I didn't expect to get it, but nobody else bid on it. All of a sudden, I've got a plane ride for two over Sumner County. So we took off from the Gallatin Airport, and we went up in the sky, and looking down, I saw Sumner County, and I'd never seen it before. I never realized the mountains looked that way. I never realized there was a patchwork across the, the different farmland. I never had seen that point of view. Well, you see, when we only deal with ourselves and our family and keep that closed-minded view, we're closing off. We're not able to see things as well as we can see it. If God will just lift us above the circumstances and we begin to look out at everybody else and what their needs is. That's what Barnabas did here. Just think, is your thinking here about yourself and your family, or is your thinking broader about others? Also, he had a giving point of view. In verse 37, uh, he gave. I mean, encouragers are basically givers of their resources, of their time, and they, they, I think they realize most of the time it all belongs to God anyway, whether it's money, time, or praise, or whatever it is. They gave, and you, you think about that now. Are you a giver? Uh, do you give of your time and your talents and your resources to God? Or, or you say, well, my time's my own. My, my money's my own. I've got things to do with it. My, my talent is I'm not willing to do that. I don't have time. I don't want to put forth the effort. You know, what's your thinking on that? Also, Barnabas was a, an encourager of words. He had encouraging words, uplifting words. He was a builder. He would build people up. Now, I've got a grandson who is now eight years old. When he was about two or three, he loved to tear things up. I don't care what it was. If you if you would build a little project, he'd love to just go into it and just rip it all apart and tear it up. Now that he's older, give him a hammer, a nail, screwdrivers, a piece of wood, whatever. He builds. With time and effort, with maturity, he went from a, per, a kid, a toddler, who would tear things apart to a young child that would build things. And that's what we need to do in our Christian thinking. We need to go from the point that we're not here to tear things up. That's an immature thinking. Oh, I'm going to get my way. I don't care if it tears a church all to pieces. I'm, I'm going to get my way. I don't care if I make so-and-so mad. I, I don't care if they never talk to me again. I just don't care if that preacher ever talks to me again. I don't have anything to do with him. I don't have anything to do with that teacher, that brother, that sister in Christ. It doesn't matter what the cost is. Or do you look for ways to build that 
relationship up. Do you look at the way to build? It comes with maturity because most many Christians need to grow up and be a builder of the kingdom of God. That's what he's called us to do. In Acts 9, beginning in verse 26, two verses. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to his disciples. But they were all afraid of him, and they believed he was a disciple. But believed not. Let me put that correctly. They believed not that he was a disciple. Barnabas took him, brought him to the apostles, declared unto them how, uh, uh, unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way, and that he had spoken to them, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Now here we got a brand new preacher on the scene by the name of Saul. We know him as Paul. He was a persecutor of the church of Christians. He actually put them to death. But one day. Oh, one day he met the Lord. It didn't make a difference when you meet Jesus. One day on the road to Damascus, he met the Lord and he became an apostle for Christ. He became a preacher. Well, most people were still afraid of him. They, they rejected him because they afraid he was just putting on a front, that he was going to persecute them, put them to death. They just didn't believe he was the real deal. Well, along comes Barnabas. He says, hey, I've heard him preach. Hey, I, I've watched him. We, we need to give him a chance. He spoke up for him. Have you ever had anybody speak up for you? Boy, I have. And it means an awful lot when somebody don't quite trust you. They don't quite think you're genuine. And somebody comes along and they say, oh, he's a real deal. We just need to give him time. We need to trust him. You see, we don't shoot the wounded and wound them, or we just don't kick them when they're down, uh, we have to be an encourager. Think, do we have positive words that build people up and bring encouragement? We need to. And also, he was a peacemaker to the brethren. I believe encouragers are peacemakers. Acts chapter 11, next passage. Acts 11, beginning in verse number 19. I'm going to skip a lot of this for time, but I'll try to fill it in with explanation. Verse 19. Now, they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose. Now skip down. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these came to the ears of the church which was at Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. And when he came and seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them that with purpose of heart they would cleave to the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and that which people were added to the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tartus for to seek Saul. And they taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Hard time to the church. I don't think we've ever seen anything like this, and I hope, pray, we never see anything like this, but hard times have hit the New Testament church. They're being persecuted. They're being thrown in jail. They're, they're being stoned to death. They're being killed for their faith in Jesus Christ, and they're having to run for their very life as they preach the gospel. So the church becomes scattered. <laughs> Believers went everywhere, even into the land of the Gentiles, which were non-Jewish speaking folks. And 
to encourage believers in these areas outside of Jerusalem, the church wanted to choose somebody they know could go out and encourage these non-Jews. So they looked among themselves and they found a man by the name of Barnabas. And it's something, if we could look across our churches today and see the third or fourth row back or maybe in the center and we could see a man or a woman or somebody would say, now that right there is an encourager. We need to send them out to encourage someone else. Well, they found Barnabas to send him out to encourage someone else. He felt inadequate. Do you know that most of the time God's workers feel inadequate for what they do? If you have a preacher who feels like he's God sent to the gospel, you better watch out. If you've got a preacher that thinks he never make a mistake, you better stay away from him. If you've got a servant of God that feels that way, you better keep a little bit of distance so you don't catch it yourself, okay? Barnabas was one of those. He, he didn't think he was quite adequate for this. But they chose him to be a peacemaker between the Jewish church at Jerusalem and the non-Jewish church of the Gentiles over here at Antioch. So he didn't know what to do. So he goes, finds a man to help him. The man that he come to help him was Saul or Paul, the one that God had called to be an apostle Gentile. You see, when we 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 understand sometimes when God called us something, hey, we don't have the ability to do what God's called us to do. Well, Barnabas didn't feel like he had the attitude to do what God called him to do, so he goes out and gets someone who can mentor him, who can train him, who can teach him into what he needs to do. So he goes and finds Paul. He assists him. They begin to encourage each other. And for the very first time, I like that, the first time in the history of the church, people looked out and said, look there, there's those Christians. Now, they didn't mean it as, a, as, as some sort of a compliment. They meant it as ridicule because look at them. They're trying to be like Christ. Isn't that, shouldn't that be said of all of us? That's what encouragers do. They're peacemakers to bring. They may not know how to do it all themselves, but they'll find somebody else to help them or to lead them in the way. Uh, are you a peacemaker? Or do you like to stir it up? You know. Next, he was a leader in the church family. Encouragers are usually active leaders in the churches. Uh, leadership is, a, is influence, and they have influence, and we need more people that have influence. They're there on Sunday mornings. They're here on Sunday evenings. They're here on Wednesday evening. They're here when there's a work project going on. When somebody's in need, they just step up. They're there because they're leaders. Now, go to Acts chapter 15 with me. And I was going to start in 36, verse 36. I'm going to go on down. You see the part where it says, and the contention. Now, contention means controversy, uh, uh, dispute. Now, when the contention was so sharp between them, and they departed asunder one from another, and so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren into the grace of God. Now, you say, how do you get that he's a leader here? There's a parting of ways. Here's a team that's been doing ministry together, Paul and Barnabas. Now there is a division. What happens is we've got one man by the name of Paul, and Paul was an absolutely godly person. He had to be to write the Bible and to say what he said under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. He was an absolutely godly person. But uh, there was one person in the midst by the name of Mark that had disappointed Paul. And Paul said, no, nah, I'm not going to, I don't take him with me. I, I don't want him on my team, okay? And Barnabas said, we need to give him a second chance. Uh, 
We need to get him involved in ministry. And a result of that, Paul takes Silas, does ministry in his direction. Barnabas takes uh, Mark and does ministry in their direction. And uh, what happened here, his leadership actually grew to the point that, you know, some people have an opportunity to see the messenger. Hey, I don't like his attitude. I don't like his personality. Uh, and then other people look at the message. I believe we got a man here by the name of Barnabas who was such a leader. He looked at both. He looked at the messenger what his potential was, and he looked at the message and he joined the two together, thus becoming a leader in the church. A leader is concerned both with the message and the messenger. He saw Mark's potential and took him with him to do ministry together. Uh, Jesus did that with the disciples. We do that, hopefully, in our lives of ministry as well. Never underestimate the ministry of encouragement through leaders of your church. Are you a leader? You may say, I don't want to be a leader. Oh, yeah, you do. If you're a child of God, you want to lead people to Christ. You want to lead your brothers and sisters into a closer relationship with God. You want to be a leader if you're a child of God, or at least you should be. All right, now that's some thoughts on Barnabas. Now, uh, and some of his characteristics. Now, I want to sum it up today with some personal thoughts about the ministry of encouragement. I thought, well, I've got too many personal thoughts, and I went back and reworked them and reworked them, and I've got them down to a lot, but I want you to listen to each one of them, and I'm not going to say much about each one, but number one is this. I want to share a passage of Scripture with me, one verse out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. The ministry of encouragement requires no shopping. You don't have to go to Walmart, run up and down the aisles and find the encouragement that you need. It comes straight from the heart of God. And the ministry encouragement doesn't have to be gift wrapped. It comes straight from the heart, and you can just let it go as it is to people's hearts and lives and encourage them. Also, the ministry of encouragement can be custom designed. It's not that one side size fits all. I, you know, somebody's down in the dumps, they've lost a loved one, and you come by and you say a word of encouragement to them, and it builds them up, and somebody else over here has lost a loved one, and you go over and you say the same ministry of encouragement to them, and it doesn't do much for them. The reason is we've all got a different way of being encouraged. One size does not fit all. What you tell me might encourage me, but it might not encourage someone else. It's just what God leads you to encourage straight from the very depths of the heart and from the Word of God. But it can also, the uh, ministry of encouragement doesn't even have a warranty. I mean, it doesn't wear out. It keeps going. Throughout the thousands of years of history, people have been encouraging each other. And I pray until Jesus comes, we'll keep encouraging each other as well. And the ministry of encouragement is a lifting up experience. I think about people in my life. Jim Williams, one of the church members here, he calls me about every week. He said, and he just tells me some kind word. Hey, preacher, we appreciate you. Appreciate what you do. Just won't call. Make sure you're okay. And then there's other people. I mean, go back in history. There was a seven-day Adventist preacher that when I first got in, involved in insurance business, he moved off from Portland to Tullahoma, and he stayed in contact. And every time he'd come by, he would come by, and he would visit, and he would always look at me and from the very first time I met him he said I'm going to buy insurance from you 
but I always seal every business venture I'm involved in in prayer. Do you mind if I pray? That began to seal us together. Every time he walked in the door, he would wait sometimes for 20 and 30 minutes till I got free, till he'd come back and talk to me, and he would sit down and always before every conversation ended, he'd say, hey, can we pray? That's encouragement here. It's like a soothing, soothing salve uh, to, a, to a burn or, or a cut. It's like a vitamin that kind of gets us going. It, it's, it's absolute healing to an ailing soul sometimes. Also, the ministry of encouragement is a command to all Christians. Um, Galatians 6 verse 2 says, Bear ye one another burdens, and there you will fulfill the law of Christ. Spiritual needs, come along beside somebody. Bear that spiritual need. Uh, physical needs, come along beside. If you can help that physical need, you do that by encouraging. And I, I'll tell you one thing we sometimes forget about. The ministry of encouragement is needed more in the last days. It's uh, Hebrews 10, 25 says, Not the forsaking of your assembling yourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting, which is encouraging, exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. As we get closer to the coming of the Lord, as we see more evil around us, we just know that it needs more and more and more encouragement as we live out our days of faith with Christ Jesus. Also, the ministry of encouragement glorifies God. Romans 15, 5 and 6 says, Now the God of patience and consolation, which is encouragement, grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's basically as a child of God, it is virtually impossible to encourage someone without glorifying God. They go together. And that's what he's telling us here. Uh, we think about ways that dishonor God in ways of our talk and our walk and our thoughts. We need to be thinking more in ways that honor God and glorify God through the same thing. Uh, send an encouragement card. Make a call whatever it, or visit, whatever it is. Also, the ministry of encouragement is a reminder of your love and concern for another. He says uh, in Thessalonians 2, uh, verses 10 11, said, You are witnesses... And God also, how holy and justly and unblamely and, and behaved ourselves among you that believe and know how we exhorted, which is encouraged and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his children. Showing encouragement, like in that family venture of a loving father that's encouraging their children. Also, the ministry of encouragement brings joy to us too as we encourage others. Hebrews 3.13 says, But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Discourages, hardens our heart. Encouragement softens our heart. It's so easy to throw cold water on somebody's excitement, but we need to be just building the fire flames, encouraging each other. So are you an encourager? Barnabas was. 
The Bible challenges us to encourage each other. Are you maybe a person that's in need of encouragement? We all need that from time to time. Maybe there's something or someone that needs to come along, step up with you and help you. Uh, you know, if you find someone like that, reach out to them. If you need someone like that, it doesn't hurt you to reach out to someone you know will give you a little bit of encouragement. I think that's good. And uh, I want to end with the greatest encouragement of Scripture that you'll find. And that's the encouragement of salvation. For if you do not receive salvation, you will not have eternal life. And if you do not have eternal life, you're not going to live forever in heaven. You're going to a place of torment, pain forever and ever. So let me share a few things of encouragement. I'm going to start with a negative. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us are sinners. Then we go down a few more chapters to chapter 6, verse 23, that says the wages or the payment of sin is death. We've got to pay for our sins. That's just the way God's got it in His justice. But then comes the good news. Romans 5 and 8, For God commended His love toward us. That while we were just sinners, He died for us. We're sinners. We've got a payment to be made of death for our sin, but God steps in and pays it for us. And Romans, 4, 10, Romans 10, 13 says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. My encouragement to you is this. If you do not know Jesus, you're going to hell. And we don't want to see you go there. If you do not know Jesus, you do not have any hope for today with all the fears that's creeping in on our society through the, COVID, the virus and everything else. Uh, you just have no hope. The only hope that we have comes through knowing Jesus personally as our Lord and Savior. So you need to understand that you've got to call upon Him. Confess your sins. Say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Confess Jesus as the Lord of your life. Say, God, I need the Lord in my life. I believe He died for my sin. And invite Him in. Say, Lord, I believe You died for me. I confess that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Come into my heart. Lord, save me. And then thank Him for the work that He did in your salvation. You might say, well, I'm not sure exactly if I did the right thing or if I prayed the right prayer. You know, God knows the very intent of your heart. But I would like to talk to you. If you'd call me, I'd love to be able to just talk to you about what your prayer, about your salvation experience. You can call me, 615-210-5735. That's 615-210-5735. I'd like to talk to you about your decision you made. I'd like to send you some literature, mail it to you, about how strong you can be in your faith and your journey with Christ. I don't want it to end here. Salvation's not an end of living. Salvation's a beginning of living. Salvation's not an end to your life. Salvation is a brand new life that you possess in Jesus Christ. I want to pray. Then I'm going to turn it over to Brother Roy Anderson, our, our youth pastor. Okay, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, I cannot thank you enough for the encouragement that's come my way through people's lives. I pray that in some way, in some fashion, God, that I've been an encourager in some way to others. But God, I pray for the greatest encouragement of all. That is to repent of our sins, to accept Jesus as the Lord of our life. God, I pray that that could happen to someone today. 
as they're viewing this, Lord. I, I pray that if there's people out there and they've got someone that they don't know as a Lord of their life, that, uh, Lord, and, and maybe you know those folks, can you invite them to listen to the end of today's sermon about the plan of salvation? Or can you, as a child of God that may be listening today, God, could you just allow them to open their heart to just explain simply the prayer to receive Christ as the Lord of their life? God, it's the greatest encouragement we can do in anybody's life is to take them to the foot of the cross and introduce them to that man that was on that cross that came down and that was buried and arose for our sins. We could introduce them personally to the Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We hope you enjoyed, were enriched, encouraged, and edified by this sermon from Brother Larry Treadway. Join us next week as Brother Larry continues his series, Encouragement for the Journey. Many of his other teachings and sermons can be found in the Sermon Audio Archive on our website at www.portlandgbc.org. Again, that's www.portlandgbc.org. Most of these recordings can also be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major podcast platforms. Each week, our Sunday school lessons and sermons are available on our YouTube channel as well. Just search for Portland General Baptist Church on your favorite platform. Until next time, stay safe and may God bless you.